everyone. Thanks Why? for listening to the Shadows of the Mountain no, podcast. I'm ice too. Where we talk about everything. <laughs> Hey, Claire. All right, there we go. All right, so let's try this again. Hey, Danielle. Welcome to the Shadows of the Moon podcast. Wow. This is very crazy. Hold on a minute. Getting my pop-out chats going. I'm good, thanks for asking. Yeah, for some reason it was like I was streaming to YouTube, but not DLive. Then I was streaming to YouTube under a different thing. It was very crazy. Okay. Hey, Sophie. Awesome. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> that is nuts. Like all set to go live, I got everything working. I, you know what, you know how it is with my stream. So that's how it always goes. Excuse me, just something crazy. Oi, <laughs> they. Let me go ahead and test this to make sure restream is showing the live, and it is awesome. Very cool. Showing up on the stream. That's good. The only thing about having, I love having two monitors, but the only thing is, is I can't see that far away to my TV. <laughs> so yeah, I figured out a couple of different things. I finally figured out about um, OBS because that, instead of going through Restream or StreamYard or anything, works the best on this computer. And so, like, the only problem was is I like to have people up on my panel. And I never knew how to get other people up on my panel <laughs> through OBS. And I've been trying to figure this out for three years. For three years, and uh, I finally found a, a video that I could understand, and I could do it, and I got it, so I can have people up on the panel now with OBS, and so my son comes home last night, and I was so excited. I'm like, Rye, you'll never guess what. I figured out something, and he's like, what? And I'm like, how to get other people up on my panel? on OBS and he's like oh I know how to do that I'm like really I've only been bugging you to help me for three years <laughs> well that's good Claire I'm glad to hear that Danielle you're working with plaster right now nice what you making what you making and Sophie my other half has fallen asleep so you can keep me company hell yeah I'll keep you company and I do want to say before I begin, sweet, sweetly morbid bear, thank you so much for stopping in, hon. She's like, lovely shadows, I hope you are well. I'm not in live chats much, but I listen here and there and always hit that like. I appreciate you so much, and thank you so much for stopping in. I love it. I love it. I love seeing your 
name pop in there, as I do all of you guys. A tulip. Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right, so <laughs> some changes going on. So I tested going live the other night, obviously, and things going on. So what is going to happen is basically when it comes to the channel, and this is going to go out on my podcast as well, because this is, you know, we're doing creepy stories and everything, so that's going to be my podcast. Um, what is going on is basically I'm going to ha go ahead and have my three channels like I did before. Um, I'm going to have all my, all the links are down in the description below. It's like really hot in this room. Um, so on my gaming channel, that's going to be my Missy396. It's got my gamer tag on there as well. Um, we're going to do all the games on that channel and then my spiritual stuff. I'm going to do on my Shadows World channel, and, uh, hey, Amora Witch, how you doing, hon? Um, and then I'm going to keep this channel my paranormal channel. Hey, Rain, how you doing? So that's what's going to happen as I try not to hit my mic. Oh, thank you, Sophie. I appreciate it. So it's just easier for me. And I, like I said, I tested. I actually was on Cassie's stream. Was it last night or the night before? One of those two. <laughs> you know, you know how I am. I can't keep a track of days. Um, not to mention that I keep seeing my Buffalo Bills are playing tonight, and it screws me up because I forget that they're playing a Thursday night game. So every time I see it, I think it's Sunday, and I'm like, it's Sunday. Then I'm like, no, it's not. It's Thursday. But anyway, I tested it out. Both the um, Ryan and Savannah were home and everything like that. So I went up on Cassie's panel, and they had no problem. They had they didn't hear me. They had no problem um, being out in the living room, obviously, uh, while I was going live. So that way, I can go live anytime I want. <laughs> I mean, I always could go live anytime I wanted, but I just didn't want to bug them, you know, by them watching TV and me being louder, you know what I mean? So with that going on and everything played out smoothly, Ryan's like, no, I didn't hear you. Well, I, I, he goes, I did wonder who you were talking to when I went to the bathroom, but, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and now I got, so we can, I have... I can have people up on panel, which means I can do interviews here. Um, I have my Discord voice open. Um, the Discord, uh, yeah, it's right there, actually, the link. Um, if you want to join in to the stream, it's basically like calling into the stream, only it's through Discord, um, to join voice if you want to come up and discuss things we were talking about and stuff like that. So, yeah. I'm happy to see you guys all here. Amora Witch says, hey, hon, sorry I haven't been in here for some time, but I've had a lot going on, but still here, hon. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you um, coming in and letting me know. No problem. I haven't been here either, <laughs> really. <laughs> Ever since I moved back to New York, I really haven't been 
going live that much, but now that's all about to change. I'm coming back and being up on Cassie's stream yesterday or the night before, um, I even said that it, it made me miss you guys even more. I, of course, missed you, you know. Thank you, Amora Witch. And great to see Rain in here and Claire and, of course, Danielle and Sophie. That's right, coming back stronger than ever. And we got some crap to talk about today. We got, we're going to talk about, I don't know if you guys remember seeing my video where I talked about um, that whole watching an uh, interview and being blown away and like having to rethink things and how things, why things happen in the paranormal world, UFO world, encrypted world, um, and everything like that. I had done a video about it because I was really blown away after watching this interview and it explained a lot and the theory was like spot on it was like it still blows me away and I honestly think I might you know the theory that he talks about and we'll get into that um I would have to tweak it to like my way of thinking to understand it there's so much to take in and it's so awesome and we'll be talking about that today. And, uh, you know, I'll give you my take on it after I read the story. Have you seen the video? The radio phone is supposedly an employee of Area 51. No, I don't think so. We are in the middle of energy storm, also why I have been busy, but we just have to remember to share love. Definitely, definitely, always share love. Yay, Danielle's almost done with her tulip. Very cool. Very cool. So tell, you're going to have to tell me more, Sophie. And let me tell you, if you join the Discord, um, the Discord link's up there in the chat. I want everybody to share stories on what they want me to talk about. <laughs> There's different channel, you know, to the Discord. I'm getting used to it now. Before, I wouldn't touch it from with a 10-foot pole because I was like, I don't know how to work this, and I'm going to screw it up. And so I've been just basically playing around with it and everything. So, like, if you have a link to a story that you want me to research and talk about, definitely put it in there. Um, there's stuff for... There's a channel for witchy, I believe, paranormal, cryptid, UFO, other strangeness, you know, and we'll definitely add more channels as it goes. Um, yeah, if you can get that link, Sophie, I would love to check it out. That that would definitely. So what is it? It was a, a, a video of a radio phone and supposedly from an employee of Area 51. Are you talking about, you're not talking about where he's on his deathbed. Yeah, Danielle, I think that's a new one, though. I think I couldn't figure out how to get back into my old, because um, nobody's on there right now. Okay, very cool. 
Yeah, I definitely want to know about that. That sounds very interesting. And, you know, I love that shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's go ahead and get started. A couple of months ago, like I said, I had put a video out that I had just watched this interview and was blown away. Now, let me tell you, there are some investigators out there, whether they be in paranormal, UFO, or cryptid, that I just, I, I guess I don't like personally the way they treat people, but I will always listening to, listen to their theories because I love picking brains and listening to theories, you know what I mean? So there is this one person on here, which is Patrick Jackson, and he has this theory, and he's been testing it and everything. Um, I really haven't seen much photo, footage of him testing it. or I mean, I've seen pictures, and um, but like not a full investigation that I'd love to see. But uh, so, and it, it explains so much. Like I said, I'll read the story to you guys. I'll show you guys the story. Let me switch scenes here. See, that's where I have the problem. I can't see over there. Well, first of all, let's get this off there. There we go. So, this was an article that I found about it on Higgy Pop, obviously. So, it says, Patrick Jackson believes that there is a global network of invisible alien spheres that have been protecting Earth's airspace from hostile invasions. The subtle subject clues of the sphere's operation is what is mistaken for ghosts by paranormal investigators. Now hear me out. This is a very cool theory and it kind of goes in line with at least my thought process of going back to Thoth um, or Toth, however you want to say it, with the grid, the protection grid. Hey PPR, how you doing? Welcome, welcome. So it kind of makes sense to me when I was watching it. I'm like, whoa, all right, okay. So this is what it's all about. Um, let's see. When you first get into ghost hunting, and I'm just going to read this so you guys can understand it, um, because, you know, my words. <laughs> when you first get into ghost hunting, you have to take a few leaps of faith. How can a poltergeist throw something when it has no physical form? How can a ghostly voice end up on audio recording when it wasn't heard at the time? These things seem illogical, and they are. Even the best paranormal investigators can't offer up, offer up a satisfactory paranormal explanation for these and other aspects of behavior as a ghost. Apart from one man, Patrick Jackson, who has logically ex explanations for all these strange things going on, including, including the age-old question, why is there never a modern ghost of someone recently deceased running around shouting, it's Britney, bitch. <laughs> so, like I said, just bear with me. I want to hear your guys' take on this. So Patrick says he feels like the black sheep of the paranormal. And my take on that is because the way he treats people. <laughs> But I won't go into that. Um, he talks about his unusual theory in detail in his book, Quantum Paranormal, 21st Century Analysis of Paranormal Phenomenon. But despite um, dedicating years of research to his theory, he finds it hard to get paranormal community to take his research 
seriously. So, and here they say, Patrick says he feels like the black sheep of the family, but it's easy to understand why when you realize how aggressively and ruthlessly he pushes his theory on people without showing any respect of their own beliefs. Patrick is passionate, but his arrogance and self-belief makes him fail to realize that his out-there theory is nothing more than a theory. It's his own personal belief, and this can result in him coming across as preachy and rude. And that's the take I got from him when I was watching the interview. Um, and how he just, I, you know, I follow his Twitter, I follow his Facebook, because I do like this theory. I really like it. Um, like I said, I would have to tweak it a little bit to my own beliefs and really sit down and think about it. Um, but I was blown away. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard this interview, I was freaking blown away. And, um, but he, but they go on to say this unpleasant attitude that resulted in him becoming a bit of an outcast of the paranormal community, a community that refuses to take him or his theories seriously. Paranormal teams have kicked him out of their groups on social media. Prominent researchers have refused to engage with him, and others have turned their back on him. The problem is only around 40% of people believe in ghosts. So already, more than half of the people Patrick talks to um, think the phenomenon associated with hauntings are just tricks of the mind, fake, or folklore. I mean, as being in the paranormal community, we understand it's not. You know what I mean? But to people that are not in the paranormal community, that do not research it, that do not have things happen to them, they do look at it like that. And you have to keep that in mind. And, you know, I've argued with that with people before about paranormal investigators forgetting where we came from. There was a reason why we got into the paranormal community. Either something happened to us, we seen something, um, you know, just creepy stuff happening and you want to figure out why the hell it's happening. Um, me, again, like I said before, it was because my father was, you know, at the age of 12, I, well, 10, really, my father was talking to his deceased first wife and I didn't understand why, <laughs> you know, as he was calming down with Alzheimer's. So, you know, that's what got me into it. Um, but we all have to remember that when people are shaken up and scared and they come to somebody in the paranormal world to ask questions, I really take offense to paranormal investigators just blowing them off or like answering them, them rudely, especially if all they've watched is what's on TV or anything like that. I really get pissed off about that. And I just think it's, and yeah, I get pissed off, but I think it's people forget where they first started investigating or when they first started investigating. Because I don't know about you, but when I first started investigating, I was scared of everything. <laughs> I was scared of everything. Now I have no fear of it. But that's beside the point. Um, so uh, let's see. However, the truth is that some investigators mere, were more open-minded than they realized with Patrick's explanation of the causes of paranormal activity 
as illogical, if not more logical, than their own beliefs. Whether the, this would lead the investigator to back Patrick's theory or doubt is, there, is another matter. I believe that, Claire. I believe that. It all depends on your own beliefs um, when loved ones come to you in dreams, especially if you feel like that there was a, a message or whatnot. So what is exactly Patrick's 21st century analysis of paranormal phenomenon? Patrick really has left no stone unturned as he questions every aspect of a much-loved belief system and the core areas of paranormal experiences and activities, asking hard questions about common premeditated conclusion relating to everything from apparitions to UEPs, some of which haven't been challenged since the observations originated in the 16th century. His logic has led him to believe that we're not dealing with human spirits and hauntings, and it makes perfect sense. As he explains in his book in the 2015 around the world 57 million people died. Despite the high number of deaths, paranormal activity seems to remain at a constant level, neither growing or decreasing in the line of death count, which is true. I mean, he makes some great points. Hey, Meg's Mysteries, thank you so much for popping in. Good to see you. Am I a choppy or anything? I keep seeing my stream level go down. Is it cutting out or buffering at all, guys? All right, Amora Witch. Hurry back, hon. Okay. All right, I keep seeing it go red. That's why I'm like, oh, please, come on now. I have a feeling it's the Discord. <laughs> but anyway, so it's true. Like, it, spirit activity, although there was an uptick during COVID, just because I believe that everybody's at home and was, like, more aware of their surroundings when they didn't have to go to work. Makes sense, right? So... But if it's not the human spirits, then what is it? Well, Patrick started to notice other trends in paranormal evidence. He saw the spheres, right? Kind of like will-o'-wisps. These metal objects popped up in many strange images, including classic ghost photos and videos of orbs. It's not just in ghost photos that Patrick has found these spheres. They're, they also appear in alleged photos of UFOs not to mention the tales of Foo Fighters during World War II, which is where it was also described as unidentified spear-shaped aircraft that reportedly followed Allied aircraft. Building on this, Patrick has concluded that there are artificial intelligent network of thousands of indivisible metallic spears stationed around the globe acting as weaponized firewall to protect Earth's airspace from possible hostile invasion. 
These spheres are evenly distributed around the world. And this is where the whole thing with Toast's um, grid came in. Because a lot, if you don't know, like back in the day, the emerald tablets and all that talk about um, Toth freaking putting up a, a grid to protect us. Okay. Apparently, the grid failed or was only supposed to protect us to 2012. That's why the Mayan calendar stopped. That's why some people thought we died and came back. Whole other different story. But this was what made me think of this. Um, so... These spheres are evenly distributed around the world, and Patrick says this is why haunted locations tend to be in line or clusters approximately five miles apart. The subdeclues of these spheres' operation and existence at these locations is what paranormal investigators mistake for ghosts. Patrick goes on to apply that this logic to all aspects of hauntings and ghost behavior and there's not a single answer he doesn't have, which is true. Like, people come at this guy all the time, and he comes, he has these logical explanations for it. So, he, some of them are, why can't they be seen? Well, they have a cloaking device. How are the objects in haunted houses thrown? By tractor beams. How did these objects pass through solid wall? Quantum tunneling. Why are haunted locations more active at night? Spears mainly operate, or operate between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m., which is the witching hour. Um, paranormal hangovers, that sensation of feeling drained after a night-long vigil. Surely Patrick doesn't have an answer for that, right? Oh, yeah. He says this is due to low-level radiation poisoning caused by the proximity to a spear. Okay, Sophie, no problem. I will, Claire. Let me, I'm trying to get through this article, though. <laughs> um, it sounds dangerous. Well, yes, but Patrick says that that's why the spears try to scare people by throwing objects, making sounds, and communicating phases like, get out. They're all warnings of the danger spears pose to them. How, how about EVPs and spirit boxes? These are the result of a method of broadcast directly transmitted from the spear to the circuit of the recording device, which is why EVPs can be captured even when no microphone is connected. So, and I know um, it might say this in this article as well, but I know he, the reason, like, they have a cloaking device, the reason when we see them, um, I remember him talking about is when we see them is when they're, they're basically, like, talking to each other. Like, they're transmitting to each other. All right, let me go back to the comments for a little bit. Um, so when I was in a hospital, I went to bed and saw my mom, and she told me my mom prayed for some guidance and I don't know if it was her or not. Most likely it was. Definitely. Meg says, 
I have seen ghosts of, um, of a young girl, orbs, and blue mist. That is why my father, um, that was my father. Heard music and words whispers everywhere I lived. I wrote all my stories about them. That's great. That is awesome to have. I wish I had done that. <laughs> I really do. Um, I wish I kept a log of them, and I, you know, I didn't. I should probably do it now, but I probably won't. I know me. You know? <laughs> um, so Sophie says, right, I'm in Discord. I mean, okay, Sophie. Uh, Meg says, I was never scared when I saw or heard things, only am amazed. Um, see, that's the thing. When I first started paranormal investigating, I definitely was scared of everything. I became not more skeptical, but more, I wanted to research it more. That's what led me to where I am today. Um, I pushed my fears, definitely. Um, and that's why I do experiments yet today just because of the fact that I want to find out the truth. But then again, I don't want to find out the truth because it'd be boring, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'd be like, now what do I do? I've spent, you know, 30-some years doing this, and now there's nothing left to do. <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> but so they talk about uh, how about shadow figures and black masses that often get seen in haunted houses or locations. Well, Patrick says that, that the dark shadow is a result of the spear gravitational wave-based propulsion system, which inadvertently blocks photons of light. Forget shadow figures. How do you explain apparitions? The spear projects an image of human that's stored in its database to scare people away. These apparitions can take any form from a, a called monk to a lady in Victoria-era Victoria clothing. So why is there never a ghost running around shouting, it's Britney, bitch? Well, Patrick thinks it's a bit like a chameleon circuit on the doctor's TARDIS, which it's gotten stuck set to a, like a retro police box, right? In the Spears case, they are stuck with the disguise of a Roman soldier or a gray lady rather than a modern-day imagery. It seems like um, there's not a single question or paranormal phenomenon that Patrick can't explain. But despite his sound logic, he isn't able to offer up any tantalizing evidence for his theory. Sadly, the only evidence he has is the exact same evidence the ghost hunters present. The same blurry photos and questionable response. But I think, you know, even though this happens... With these spheres, like these spheres are, he says there's three levels. There's three types of spheres. The, I can't, I mean, I know they're level one, two, and three, but I can't remember. It's the level one is like the ones that are in the haunted houses, right? Level two is a little bit bigger ones because the ones that are on haunted locations or in houses are like little. You know what I mean? They're the orbs you see in pictures and stuff like that. The level two is a little bit bigger. They're medium size and they're outside. And then the level three is the one that, I mean, there's much more to his theory than just this article. 
the level three is the ones you see like you'll when you see ufos you'll usually see the three dots those three dots are going after that ufo that isn't supposed that's hostile or isn't supposed to be here does that make sense i love these theories i i mean honestly i love this theory it it, it does explain a lot um, when you really get into what he's talking about. Like I said, I don't like his arrogance. I don't like the way he treats people. Um, but definitely his passion is there. And like he's done his research on things, obviously. But what do you guys think? And like, as the article goes on, of course, they say above is just a very brief overview of Patrick's theory. In his book, Patrick goes into much more detail, and he really does. Um, well, I haven't read the book, but I mean, just by talking in the interview, seeing the interview and stuff like that. Um, but he deduces to be science behind the spheres, why they are here and how they communicate with one another. The most important thing to point out is that Quantum Paranormal is not a book for skeptics. If you're looking for a book that challenges and debunks paranormal phenomena, this isn't for you. The author believes phenomena like voices through spirit boxes, EVPs, and e even orbs to be real. He just doesn't believe that things are caused by ghosts. It's the, in the book, he attempts to authenticate these phenomena with a fresh pair of eyes, in order to cut away the fog and see what's really going on. However, when Patrick does occasionally challenge existing paranormal theories, like the belief in stone tape theory, he debunks it as well as showing a good understanding of the conflicting scientific principles. He also writes about the vast array of ghost hunting gadgets available, showing a good understanding of how these devices work and how they can be falsely triggered. I mean, like, you know, like watching TV. Um, REM pods and stuff like that can be triggered by walkie-talkies. Hell, a, a lot can be triggered by walkie-talkies, and people don't realize that. Walkie-talkies, hell, I mean, walkie-talkies, you go by, a, um, at least it used to be, I know, because I had the trick plate on me, but you go to a, um, a grocery store that has the ding-dong when anybody walks in, right? It's got to be electrical, but um, if you turn on and off a walkie-talkie, that ding-dong will go off. You know, there's just a lot that can be triggered by walkie-talkies. Sophie says, I always say I'm a see-it-to-believe-it type of person. I agree. I mean, I believe people's story just because I've been helping people for so long, I... I I believe in everybody's story, what they went through, their, you know, encounters and that. I definitely believe in it. Um, the ones asking for help in that. Uh, we just try to get down to the bottom of it. And, and I at least try to show them that it's not so scary. Amora Witch says, back phone a small energy storm to try to call at the same time. Oh. LOL, maybe I was not allowed to hear Missy's beautiful reading energies work in mysterious ways. You never know. Everything works in mysterious ways. 
You never know. <laughs> but I mean, he really does. Like I said, this article doesn't really touch um, a lot of it. Like he explains a lot and it's really cool. So if you ever get a chance, like I said, put his arrogance and assholiness aside and just listen to the theories and, and what he explains. It's really awesome. I mean, it really is. It got, I was stuck there for, I think, two to three hours on the porch because I couldn't get away from this interview because I was so enthralled, enthralled by it. You know what I mean? Sophie asked, could having night terrors mean anything like someone or something trying to tell me something? Night terrors, I really haven't gotten into, and I really should because... I, I honestly believe my granddaughter has, has started having night terrors. Um, I know it has to do with something that happened, you know, like hers, I believe. She's just coming and she's not even two yet. And like she's experienced like falling, you know what I mean? So I think that triggers a lot in a brain. Um, now, one of my good friends' daughter has had night terrors her whole life I remember and she screams I mean she scares the hell out of me sometimes when she has night terrors but she can't remember them and I believe it has something to do with triggers in the brain but I'm not sure I've never really looked into night terrors and um the paranormal that might be something I'll have to look into honestly Really? Are you just having nightmares or straight up really night terrors? Like, are you more worried? Have you been more worried in the last few months about something happening? Or, because there's a lot that can trigger trauma in our brain. And I'm not saying that's all it is, but I'm just, I've just never really, I'll have to look into that. That's a really good question a really good question so what do you guys think I mean like I said I when he first started talking about these spheres and everything like it it really made me think of toast grid and how he put a grid up to protect us from, like, we were supposed to be miraged or, or cloaked until 2012 um, from other beings, you know, other, I guess, aliens, basically, hostile ones that wanted it. Now, do I believe in hostile aliens? I really don't know. I can't tell you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think they're all hostile, um, but I imagine there could be ones that, I mean, are like humans. We have good and bad humans, right? Um, so, the grid, like I said, supposedly went down in 2012. I don't know if it reamped. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of theories behind that, but these spheres, I mean... What he says, like when he talks about quantum physics and 
just the propulsion and just them us not seeing them like they're all around us all the time and I always felt that way about like elementals right so what if elementals are these spheres as well um I don't know there's just something that pulls my brain to it I'm trying to figure it out like there's something in there that I'm missing that I haven't connected with all the way to figure it out do you know what I mean and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> Sophie said, maybe learning about my granddad having cancer has triggered something in my brain. It definitely could. And I'm sorry to hear that. That's definitely a hard thing to go through. Definitely. Um, yeah, it definitely could be something like that. Definitely. Hey, Nicole, how you doing? How you been? How you been? But yeah, just hearing us, like I said, I couldn't leave the porch for three hours because I was listening to this interview and I was just like, so it was like me watching a show that I absolutely love, you know? I was just like, whoa. And every words, all the words he was speaking made so much sense to me. I've been doing good. Didn't been doing really good. Still can't talk, you know. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> Same as always, you know. So yeah, I wanted to bring that guys to you because I know, like I said, I had I had put a uh, video out there talking greatly about this. You know, like how much shock that could be explained paranormal wise UFO and like you know you get those feelings sometimes when you're in a haunted location that push away feeling like you know the fight or flight kicks in and to him it's these spheres that are doing it and because they don't want you to get hit with the radiation that they cause by protecting us basically it's very cool a very cool theory and may, I'm telling you, it's, it makes a lot of freaking sense. Yeah, spidey senses. That's right. We all have them. We all have them. And they're hard to fight, man. When you have that fight or flight, it is so hard to fight sometimes. That's like, like when I was talking about calling down Valiant Thor. You know, using C5. I'm telling you what, I, I told the story over on, on Cassie's channel that, so I wanted to, because I did that story back in the day when I was still in Alaska about Valiant Thor and being in the U.S. government and stuff like that, and I'm like, well, he's an alien. You're supposed to be able to call aliens down with C5, so let's see if I can call him down. I don't know what the hell happened, but whatever came kicked my ass. And all I can do is explain it like we've all touched batteries, you know, 9-volt batteries with our tongue to see if they still work. Imagine that like 10,000 times worse, only it's your whole body, not your, just your tongue. And that feeling lingered. Like whoever it was that came down, if I called somebody and they came down and did that, knew it affected me and they backed away immediately. But that feeling lingered for like three days. 
Really? Really, Nicole? Yeah, it's it's crazy. But yeah, so if you get a chance, go check out the interview. I have it down in the description below. I have the link to this story here, and I also have the interview, the one that I was totally captivated by, down in the description. Our next story is a mystery. It's a mystery. When a captive shark vomited up a human arm and it sparked a murder investigation. And what's funny is this is not the only time this has happened because this isn't the story I was looking for. I was actually looking for another story that had to do with a shark and an arm. And I found this one and I'm like, Oh, well, I miss your, you know, you being here for my stories. <laughs> oh, okay, good to know. Okay, good to know. I'll never forget that. I'm lying, I probably will forget that, but, you know. <laughs> But yeah, so there's a couple stories floating around about a shark and an arm. <laughs> so, it says the 14-foot tiger shark at the Coogee Aquarium in Sydney, Australia was behaving strangely. It had lost the energy and appetite it showed when it first arrived at the facility one week prior on April 17, 1935. It was moving sluggishly around its 25 by 15 foot pool, bumping into walls and sinking into the tank's floor where it swam as if something was weighing it down. Soon it revealed that what was, what that something was, because in a sudden burst of movement, the shark thrashed its body and coughed up the contents of its stomach. When the foam settled, the crowd of the aquarium, can you imagine this happening live? The crowd of the aquarium guests saw a partially digest human arm floating on the pool's surface. Australians didn't need, to excuse, need an excuse to blame a shark for someone's death in 1935. A string of shark attacks had terrorized the southeast coast that year, and the oversized fish were seen as man-eaters. When the aquarium resident regurgitated the disembodied arm, many assumed it was evidence of another deadly shark attack. But the incident became more unsettling and strange as further details emerged. The coroner's report revealed that the arm hadn't been bitten off, but cleanly cut off with a knife. That meant that the shark that vomited the remains was the innocent party in an apparent murder. <laughs> the one witness police had access to was incapable of sharing its story, but they didn't need the shark's testimony to move forward. The fingerprints and the boxing tattoo on the severed arm 
gave them a shot at solving one of Australia's most bizarre murder mysteries. Sydney residents have, may have dreaded spotting... Oh, I forgot. Before I forget, again, we do have a heist. Maybe. Let's see if it works. I should... Oh, well, never mind. Oh, no, that ain't it. Of course it wouldn't work. Why would it work? Maybe because I didn't. Hey, Mo. That's uh -huh, nice. Not going to work. Anyway, good to see you, Mo. How you doing, hon? It's been a minute. <laughs> How you doing? So Sydney residents may have dreaded spotting sharks at the beach after the summer of 1935, but they were eager to see one in captivity. Coogee Aquarium pro proprietor Bert Hobson anticipated the public's desire while fishing with his son, Ron, off the Sydney's Coogee Beach in mid-April of that year. A small shark he was reeling in attracted a 14-foot, one-ton tiger shark that got caught up in his fishing line. After bringing the monster to shore, he decided to make the star, his make it the star of his Sydney attraction. I'm doing good. That's exactly it, Amora, too. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, I don't like um swimming in oceans anyway but um I don't like swimming in oceans but I am terrified you know you know but I do know that sharks that's exactly it sharks only attack when they're threatened um or they feel it I mean they do they do attack but it's certain ones that attack it's not all you know what I mean it's not like it's Jaws. <laughs> so the new exhibit turned out to be just what Cougar Aquarium needed. Following the, demolish, the demolition of the nearby Cougar Pier, which had housed a Penny Arcade and 1,400-seat theater, foot traffic through the area had declined. But with a fearsome tiger shark on display, people suddenly had an exciting reason to flock to the aquarium. The frenzy around the creature peaked on Enzec Day. The holiday is similar to basically Memorial Day here, and it's observed to in both Australia and New Zealand on April 25th. On their day off, many people bought a ticket to Coogee Aquarium and made a beeline for the tiger shark tank. After reading headlines of shark attacks all summer, it would be, you know, kind of pleasing to see one up close in a safe environment. The captive creature was a reminder of humankind's dom dominion over the seas, at least up until the moment it spit out a chunk of human flesh. <laughs> Eddie's still in Alaska. No, he's been working hard and because um, he's still trying to get here. And basically he... Um, He's having a lot of problems with his sciatic nerve. 
Okay, Sophie. I want to make sure I didn't miss any comments. Um, so anyway, Narcissus Leo Young, a proofreader for the Sydney Herald, was there that day. I was three or four meters from the shark and clearly saw come out of the mouth a copious brown froth which smelled really foul, he reencountered. In addition to the arm, the shark also expelled a bird, a rat, and a load of muck. As the coroner's report showed, any characterizations of the sick shark as a man-eater turned out to be unfounded. But that didn't mean that there was nothing to be afraid of. There was still a murderer on the loose. But they could track down, uh, but before they could track down the perpetrator, a law enforcement officials needed to identify the victim. Edwin Smith was reading about what had happened at Coogee Aquarium when he came across a detail that made him pause. A description of a distinct tattoo branding the arm recovered from the tiger shark pool. Located on the victim's arm, forearm, it depicted two boxers facing each other, fist poised to fight. Smith immediately thought of his brother James, who had the same image tattoo in the same place and who had been missing for several weeks. While shocking, the, the news that Jim Smith had been murdered and become a meal for a shark wasn't totally unbelievable. The 45-year-old born resident of Gladstill, Australia, or Glad Gladesville, Australia, sorry, managed a local billiards bar and had history as both a criminal and a police informant. Following a failed boxing career, he picked up odd jobs around Sydney and the area. In addition to running the billiard saloon, he also worked for a boat-building mogul and a crime kingpin named Reginald Holmes. Holmes used his successful boat business as a front for several illegal operations, and with his speedboats, he transported drugs from ships passing through Sydney Harbor to sell in the city. He was known to pull forgery and insurance scams as well, which Smith was enlisted to help execute, as an ex-convict named Patrick Brady was also involved in these schemes. One of Holmes's most infamous cons involved the destruction of an over-insured over yacht. After recruiting Smith to, um, to sink the Pathfinder, Holmes filed a claim for the damages. He later learned that Smith had reported the incident as suspicious to the police and ended up eating the cost of the boat. The, this led to a falling out between the two men, which was um, heightened when Smith reportedly began blackmailing Holmes. Smith was last seen drinking and playing cards with Patrick Brady at the Cecil Hotel. Oh, nice. <laughs> Not the one in, <laughs> in Crunella on the night of April 7th. As the night progressed, they relocated to the cottage Brady was renting in, on Telambi Street. When a disheveled-looking Brady looked, later took a cab from his cottage to Holmes' house, Smith was no longer with him. 
I might be Mo. I might be. <laughs> I'm going to try. I just got burned out, so I don't want to get burned out again. Um, the tattoo iron came from the shark shed light on the mystery of Jim Smith's disappearance. Edwin called in a tip to the police connecting the limbs tattoo to his missing brother. Law enforcement officers had the victim's fingerprints, and using a new forensic technique, they were able to match the hand of Smith. The man had clearly had been a victim of foul play, and investigators already had their prime suspects. Even with two suspects, a motive, and se a severed arm, the case was far from closed. Police still didn't have the hard evidence necessary to make arrests in connection to Smith's disappearance. Instead, they brought it in, in Brady on forgery charges unrelated to the crime. It took the cop six hours of a in grueling interrogation to get him to confess what they already expected. Reginald Holmes was the mastermind behind the plot. Holmes must have heard the police were on him because the time the authorities arrived at his house, Holmes was on a speedboat in the middle of Sydney's Harbor. He managed to evade his persuaders while um, imbibing a bottle of liquor before he grabbed before, grab, before fleeing. At one point, he stopped the boat and rose before a group of spectators that had gathered to watch the chase, uttering a, non a warning. Jimmy Smith is dead, and there is only one left. If you leave me tonight, I will finish him. Then he shot himself in the head and fell into the water. For a moment, it looked like the case had come to a dead end, but miraculously, Holmes survived. The bullet left him with a non-fatal wound to the forehead and was able to haul himself back onto the boat. After a dramatic chase, the cops finally arrested Holmes, but dragging confession out of him would prove just as difficult. He identified Brady as Smith's murderer and painted himself as a victim of blackmail. And according to his story, Brady had acted alone while killing and dismembering Smith in his cottage on Tullam Bay Street. He allegedly dumped most of the body parts in the sea, but held on to the arm as a threat to Holmes. In this version of events, Brady brought the limb to Holmes's house and warned him he would be next if he didn't deliver a generous payday. Holmes claimed to have panicked and gotten rid of the arm by tossing it into the water, where the tiger shark swallowed it whole. Regardless of how truthful his story was, investigators concluded that the arm was likely consumed after being disposed of in the ocean. The timeline made sense. Tiger sharks have a slow digestive tract, and the arm could have been sitting in the animal's stomach for up to 18 days before it hacked, before it, hacked it up. It's even possible that the arm was inside the first smaller shark Bert Herbinson caught, before the tiger shot ate it, creating a very unappetizing version of Tucker Duckin. I don't know what that is, but Tucker Duckin. I like that word. That's fun to say. Tucker Duckin. But the question of how it got separated from Smith's body and into the water remained unanswered.
On the morning of the inquest into the case, which Holmes was meant to attend, police found him in the car with three bullet holes in his chest. He had likely hired a hitman to do the job after taking out a substantial life insurance policy on himself. The policy would have been voided if he had died by suicide, so he used his con artist skills to pull one last grift for his family. Oh, is that what that is? I didn't even think about that. Thank you. Turkey, duck, and chicken. Now I know what it is. Turkey, duck, and... That's not how you say it. I'd have to read the word again. <laughs> Patrick Brady survived to see his murder trial, but it wasn't the open and shut case prosecutors had hoped for. They suffered without Holmes's witness testimony, and the physical evidence they had was less incriminating than it seemed. One arm wasn't a proof of murder. The defense argued, and it wasn't right to convict a man of a crime when it's possible Smith had survived. Brady was acquitted, and the charges had maintained his innocence until his death in, at the age of 76 in 1965. Smith and Holmes weren't the only casualties of a shark arm case. Shortly after disgorging the arm, the tiger shark from the Coogee Aquarium was killed and cut open. The autopsy, that poor shark, all he did was try, man, the autopsy turned out to be a waste as it didn't reveal any additional body parts or answers to the questions raised by the curious incident. Though much has been cl clarified since the day of Coogee Aquarium in 1935, we'll likely never know the full story of what happened the night of Jim Smith's disappearance. And if new evidence does emerge in the case, Chances are slim that it will overshadow the story's dramatic, messy beginnings in the public's consciousness. I know, that poor shark. I'm telling you. All he was was trying to live his life. And he might have not even ate the arm. He might have ate the... The other shark that he ate might have ate the arm. Isn't that crazy? I'm telling you. All right, you ready for something creepy? Not this. Not that. That's not even it showing on the screen. That's the next story, but. Okay, ready? This kind of creeped me out a little bit. It just creeped me out just a little bit. Yep, that's a picture. Uh, a tiny little, a small humanoid-like creature captured, kept, not captured. He didn't crap. He was captured on trail, trail camera. Yep, in Australia. Missy's back. So are the Missyisms. Definitely makes a great mystery. Yeah, I know. Well, you know what? The thing is, Amora Witch, let me tell you. You want to know one, and I have a strange fear, but I'm scared to death to go swimming in the ocean and get swallowed up by a whale. Now, I have read, I know how to get out of a whale's stomach as it ever happens, but I'm still scared of the... <laughs> 
and why, I don't know. All I can think about is maybe a past life. <laughs> I got Maybe I was Jonah. I don't know. All I know is it scares me to death to get swallowed by a, a whale. But a megalodon, at least with a shark or a megalodon even, I would die instantly. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, just search it online. There's ways it tells you how to survive getting... There's only like a couple whales that can swallow you. But you gotta like wiggle. You gotta like wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Yeah, I love whales too. I think they're beautiful. But I'm scared to death. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. It's just... Yep. Leave it to me to have a weird... I can deal with, you know, talking about demons and playing Ouija boards and all that stuff, but coming to a well, forget it. <laughs> Wolf, eagles, and orcas. Yeah. Well, we had the orcas and eagles up in Alaska. Here we have the wolves. Well, yeah. I now live in the desert, but did live on New Jersey Shore and also Florida. Awesome. Yeah, that's actually where <laughs> my sister lived in West Palm Beach and my nephew lived in Jupiter. Not on Jupiter, of course. He is strange, so he could have. But anyway, um, that's where I went swimming in the ocean. And the whole time, I would, <laughs> I would float down, touch the bottom, and pop right back up. I didn't like, no, I didn't like it. I did not like it at all. And for me doing that, thank God, I did that because they got sea lice. I didn't. I don't I still to this day don't know what sea lice is, but that's what they got. <laughs> well, from what I've heard of Morwich, that hurts transforming into a wolf. <laughs> yeah, I don't like things touching my feet. Mm -mm. <laughs> not in water not where I can see I think it grow. It, it stems from me basically swimming in like creeks and rivers and you know having leeches and but I've never knock on wood I've never had a leech on me but yeah alright so the next thing up is a motion-activated trail cam has picked up what appears to be a small humanoid creature peering out in the darkness. The footage, which is recorded on October 21st near Sydney, Australia. What is going on with Sydney? I mean, I know they have everything in the world down there to kill you, that can kill you, but wow. So maybe this thing killed Jim. I don't know. By it. Anyway, this is an outdoor wildlife camera with night vision, and it was recently sent to YouTuber Mr. MBB333, which if you haven't been to my channel a long time, you know I love that dude. He covers a lot of weather stuff, but that dude, I love that guy so much. So if you ever get a chance, check out Mr. MBB333. He has a great channel. I have shared his stories many times because he's just amazing 
I'll put it in chat. I don't know his channel offhand, but um, that's what his name is. Welcome back, Nicole. So this trail cam, it shows something unusual in the bottom left corner, a small humanoid-like creature peering out of the foliage with its two eyes shining in the darkness as his head moves from side to side. The motion seems to have been responsible for activating the motion sensor on the camera. Of course, given the low resolution and darkness, it's very difficult to discern exactly what the creature is. There are possibilities that it's similar to an animal such as an opossum. I don't think it is. It looks a little creepy for my taste, but it's been illuminated in such a way so it gives off the appearance of a small humanoid. That said, it is certainly an interesting and creepy video and definite explanation remains elusive. So you ready? Here we go. I don't, I don't have the sound going. Shit. Hold on. Hold on a minute. Let me get there. What's up guys, hope everybody's doing well and having a great day. In this video, we're going down to Sydney, Australia. I received some bizarre footage. It was from a outdoor wildlife camera that's motion activated and also has night vision. You're going to see a mysterious creature that showed up in the field of view of this camera. Quick update on the tropics. The National Hurricane Center has posted a new update. We've been following this area down here for the possible formation of a hurricane for the last... Oregon. Very cool sky. Once again, submitted by, by David L. I want to take you guys now down to Sydney, Australia. Here we go. Watch down here in the, the lower left-hand corner of this video. You're going to see some movement. That's what activated the camera. Don't have any idea what this is. This is the original video footage. It's unedited exactly the way I received it. And something appeared down here in the lower left-hand corner that activated the camera. And it stayed on for, I think, 20, 25 seconds. This is what he submitted to me, and I'm simply sharing it with you. This is zoomed in. He zoomed in on whatever this may be. Looks like a head over there. And you can see what look like two eyes over here, right there. See it? Looks like a head kind of turning from side to side a little bit, like maybe something standing over there. This is an enhancement that he did to the video. He adjusted the contrast, and there is definitely something over there in the background by that tree that is moving. And you can see some leaves up here in the foreground moving around. Those are being influenced by uh, a small breeze, light winds. There weren't heavy winds. As you can see, it's pretty calm here in this video. This is an enhancement that I did. I just found one that, that kind of pulled forward whatever this was down here in the lower left-hand corner. And he assumes that this is what activated the camera. There was movement of some sort of a, a creature over there. It looks like a, a small creature that has a large head. And that's about all you can identify. Other than that, there's a good look at it right there. Other than that, he'd never seen anything like it. I've certainly never seen anything like it. Almost looks like a, a small person standing over there. You can see the eyes glowing in the nighttime camera. See him right there? See that right there? Looks like eyes over there. I don't know, guys. I, I, you tell me what we're looking at here. This is brand new to me. I've never seen anything like that. There's a good view of, of something definitely moving over there that had enough horsepower to activate the camera. And the camera turned on, and 
Looks like this is set to record for 20 seconds. I've seen video footage from time to time over the years from these cameras that are normally attached to a tree and they're used to monitor wildlife out in the forest. And this here is what appeared in the camera right over here in the lower left hand corner. This right here, these two lights, that's caused by a cobweb. I've seen that many times over the years, but this down here, I've never seen anything quite like that. Don't know what that is. It definitely looks like some sort of a small creature. Doesn't look like a raccoon. Definitely doesn't look like a deer. Um, way too small to be a deer. But it does look like there's something looking. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, you're right, Amora. It, it, does, it does have that shape of the predator. It has that round, like bulbous head of the predator. And maybe that's what's caused the Glimmer Man. If you haven't heard the Glimmer Man, I have, I've done a couple of videos about the Glimmer Man. But it is a creepy little thing. This will be like a midget version of the Predator. I don't know. <laughs> but isn't that creepy? I don't think it's an opossum. I, could, I don't think that. But I don't know. It'd be creepy. It'd be creepy. Yeah. So the next thing Oh, it could be. It could be. I don't know, there's just some strange shit going on in Australia. <laughs> well, truth be told, yes, if you if you know who Craig is, um, oh, what the hell is his, I, I want to say wasp, but that's it. Well, no, not wasp. Anyway, the one that I, you know, have talked about many times in his UFO situation. Yeah, he's from Australia too. There's some weird shit going on in Australia. But anyway, this is a mummy. This is a little tiny mummy. Pretty weird, right? So this is the unknown origin of the miniature mummy of the San Pedro Mountains. In the summer of 1940, two enterprising gentlemen were prospecting for gold in the San Pedro Mountains in the American state of Wyoming. That's going to bug the hell out of me. While ranking up another blockage of rock, the miners stumbled upon the entrance to a small cave. It was possible to get there only by crawling, but that would be a hindrance for the prospectors. What if there is an Indian gold inside? With this idea, the man crawled inside the cave, but neither gold nor treasure were found in the cave, but something more curious was discovered, a perfectly preserved mummy of a tiny man. A wrinkled old man, legs crossed and his long arms folded on his knees, sat in a small ledge, looking sadly in front of them. With a flattened skull, bulging eyes, and dark brown skin, the mummy looked rather strange. But it was but what was most striking was its size. The height of the mummy of San Pedro is sitting position did not exceed six and a half inches, which is about 
just over 16 centimeters. And if it could straighten up, it would hardly be taller than 36 centimeters. That's a little guy. Journalists quickly found out about this find, and a photo of the old man appeared in a local newspaper. And over time, experts began to study the mummy and their opinions about Pedro. I mean, what else could you call the little creature found in the San Pedro Mountains? were immediately divided. Someone immediately considered all that it was all fake, invented by the gold miners themselves. Many considered the photographs of the San Pedro mummy to be fake. Other experts believed in the find, but said that the mummy was not an adult, but a baby. They said the Indians simply mummified a newborn. However, there is a third group of commentators, and by the way, the largest group, it was not without reason that they saw Pedro as a grown man. Indeed, a more detailed analysis showed that the baby has a full mouth of teeth and besides its ominous pointed fangs. There is also a trace of meat in the stomach of the crumbs, which pointed out the obvious question, what kind of meat could a baby eat? And another important detail, judging by the injuries to the limbs, skull and spine, Pedro's death was caused by violence. Yeah, well, definitely. But there's another theory to this. Stick around. Well, not a theory, but what was known. You'll see, you'll see. Experts then remembered the legends by the Shoshone Indian tribe which once lived in Wyoming, about the Nimurjigars. The, and I probably said that wrong, but, you know, it's me. Um, <laughs> the mysterious race of dwarfs, tiny people, little spirits, as they were also called. These beasts, as the Indian old men told, lightening their pipes, were, though small in stature, but great in terms of malice and deceit. For example... They ambushed the gorges of the Rocky Mountains and fired bows on honest Indians. Moreover, their arrows were not simply were not simple, but with poisoned tips. These tiny people were no strangers to resorting to black magic if something happened. In a word, they were harmful, scary. It is not for nothing that the Shoshone language <laughs> meant cannibals. All this looks like fairy tales from grandmother's closet, but in the end, in the eighteen, but the end of the eighteenth century, one of the British missionaries in Coshocton, Ohio, stumbled upon an entire dwarf cemetery, about which he left a note. I saw in Coshocton long rows of graves of little people. They were buried with their heads to the west, where the sun was hidden behind the mountains. And this grave rise to the theory that these little people worship the sun. It would be nice to take a look at these amazing burials, but the problem is now that there is no cemeteries in Kashkatan. All the lands have been plowed for unknown reasons. And with mummies of the San Pedro Mountains, everything is also complicated. It would be nice to research with modern equipment and learn more about the origin. But the thing is, Pedro disappeared. 
For some time, the mummy was one of the one of the shops in Casper, frightening and at the same time attracting customers. Then it was taken to a local university for further studies, after which Pedro was sent to a private collection, then to another, and today the trail of the mummy from the St. Pedro Mountains has completely dissolved of time and space. Not only historians anthropologists and other series of people are looking for it to confirm or deny Pedro's belonging to the race of dwarfs. Fans of the UFO and sorts of classified materials are waiting for the no less impotence for or impatience for the news about the mummy. However, to the, que- to the question of who Pedro is, they have already answered them for themselves with a higher degree of reliability. Of course, from aliens to outer space, because aliens could have this kind of appearance. Well, aliens could have any kind of appearance. We went over the KGB book of aliens a long time ago. And there's a lot. Some with pictures. Some with drawings. Why is it every time I mention aliens, the dog starts moving around? (laughs) I don't know if you could hear his claws, but anyway. Interesting, right? Interesting. And yeah, and it's not just the Shoshani that that talks about little people. Um, I've gone over many numerous stories out there of Indians complaining, or not complaining, well, complaining, but telling stories about little people and everything. I know, right? He does know something. I swear, the do- he follows me around. I tell my son he's waiting for me to die. Because <laughs> he stands right next to me. And I'm like, I'm all right. I'm all right, Chief. It's okay. <laughs> but I tell my son all the time, he's waiting for me to die. He's like, that's a lot of meat on a woman. Woo! <laughs> but yeah crazy right some crazy stuff going on but yeah there like I was saying there's a lot more stories of little people especially from all of the Indians all over I know Seneca people um out here have a lot of stories about little people um alaskan natives i'm sure they do but alaskan natives are a lot different than and i try to explain this when i was up there they're a lot different than the the indians down here in the lower 48s they when like they really truly believe in their stories still where here it's more like the indians down here obviously are more modernized um, I mean, I'm not saying they're not smart, like Alaska natives are, there's some smart ones. Um, but they still have their beliefs and they still, you know, have the chief and they still have the elders. And I mean, we do too down here, but not like that. Um, so they won't talk about certain things. Like they won't talk about because they believe it'll come for them if they talk about it. So it's very hard to talk to 
Native Alaskans um, about stuff in that nature, which sucks because I'd love to know their history and everything. I mean, there are some of them where I could talk to and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to tell me, you know. But more not more times not, you're going to find a Native Alaskan that won't say stuff about their beliefs and, you know, their different spirit worlds and, and stuff like that. Um, let's see what Laura says. Have they think the tiny mummies are from the pygmy people? It could be. Jungle back in the day. Those people, those scare me. Those creep me out. I don't know if I just watched too many, many movies with that, but yeah. The pygmy people, it, it could be, I don't know, that'd be a long ways away though. Because Wyoming is the, the northwest of the United States, basically. My husband is all Irish, so we know for a fact there is little people. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what I'm saying. I love overseas because the lore is so immense and still so alive. Where here, it's not like that. It's just so amazing. I love hearing stories like that. I do. Um, with lores and, you know. But yeah, it's it's those like, and that's why I love um, talking about stuff like that because these are real beliefs. Like we, over here in the United States, yes, we have our ghosts and that. And we have our beliefs and where paranormal comes from or cryptids come from and stuff like that. But back in the day, I mean, a lot of, yes, a lot of lore and urban legends and stuff was warnings to keep kids away from certain things. But there's just so many, so much lore out there that it cannot be not true at one point in time, at least, if that makes sense. So hearing, that's why I do what I do. I love hearing these stories. I love reading these stories. You know, I love bringing you guys these stories. You don't understand when I'm sitting here at night and I'm researching stories, like I have so much, <laughs> I don't know if it'll show, it should, but yeah. You see all these bookmarks? These ain't even half of them, the bookmarks. Like I have a million, million folders. I have a million pages, all different things, but I, it, it's, all these are stuff that I want to talk about. <laughs> I get, I'm like, oh yeah, they'll love that. And I just love gathering the research and everything for you guys. Cause it's, it's so much fun. And I love hearing your reactions and what you think about it. That's what I, like I said on Cassie's stream the other night, I love picking brains. I love knowing what you guys think or what your beliefs are, especially like Amora Witch, who's from Denmark or Nicole, who's from the other Nicole, not Vale. Um, the other Nicole who's from Belgium and you know what I mean? Irish people and, and, oh, it's just amazing. UK people. I love it. I love hearing all the lore and, and just the beliefs in that. It's amazing to me. It really is. Oh, I'm glad you found us too. 
not everybody's here. Usually we have a lot of people in here talking and chatting, um, but nobody knows that I go live anymore. <laughs> and of course my heist is broken, so nobody wants to play the game. <laughs> I'll have to figure that out. But uh, yeah, I, I love all this stuff. And I love, like I said, picking brains and, you know, finding out what you guys. Amora says, I don't, li I don't like researching, but I, I, I don't like all that reading. I'm more of a writer that is what makes it wonderful. There are meaning with all of it. Yeah, exactly. There is meaning with all of it. I mean, there's just too many stories out there that it cannot not all be true. You know what I mean? Okay. And also, if you want to follow me on social media, all the links are down in the description. That way, because I, I, it automatically posts for me to all my social media about when I'm live because half the time YouTube's notifications don't work. Well, I shouldn't say that because I haven't been around in a while, so... <laughs> they might have fixed it. I doubt it, but they might have. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to try, like Mo said, are you going to do this every day again? I don't know about all that, but <laughs> I know it won't be every day because I babysit my grandbaby. Oh, thank you, Amara Witch. Thank you so much, hon. I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah, it's the research. I'm a, yeah, I'm definitely a researcher. I love, love researching stuff. I love finding new things. Like I type the weird, like if anybody was to look at my browser history, they'd be like, what the hell is wrong with this girl? <laughs> just because I, I, you know, just a story like I heard a long time ago and I'm just like, I wonder if, you know, I can find something on that. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm ready to get out of here as well. I have to, I got to take a nap before uh, my grandbaby comes home. Let me go ahead and run the credits. I thank each and every one of you guys for being here today. I had so much fun. Hope you guys did as well. Hope you liked the stories that I shared. Um, I will find a photo. You need to see one from my walk when I catch. Yeah, definitely. Send it to me any way you want, Amora. <laughs> any way you want. Um. And, of course, you know, I'll have this out on my podcast as well. Whether you were in the live today or listening back, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate each and every one of you. I really, really do. Take care, Mystery Week. You know, have a great night, day. I, I don't know. You're, you said you're in the desert now, so I don't know. It could be daytime for you. <laughs> but I hope you have the rest, a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you all. You know, Marwich has wonderful. It's a night there for you, isn't it? I believe. 
I hope you all, you know, have a wonderful day, night, whatever time you're listening to this. Um, I will try again. What's tomorrow? Friday. I don't know if my daughter-in-law is working tomorrow. So if she is not working, I will go live again. Because, of course, I always have stories for you guys. And uh, I appreciate each and every one of you for being here today. Thank you so much for hanging out and giving me a little bit of your time. I appreciate it. With that being said, I will try and see you guys tomorrow. Have a beautiful rest of your evening, day, night, you know. All right, I'm getting off the podium now. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. Love you all.